teaching, speaking, and uh, at the end, uh, we felt very compelled about the idea of getting the church outside of the four walls. That's not a new concept. You've heard that through the years. But we, we moved forward with that, and we assembled a what we call our stage trailer. And we outfitted it with equipment, and it's now sitting behind the building in Puyallup. Presently, it's been there sitting for a while. And all along, I said, we will wait on the Lord for direction. Where, when, what? And I have to tell you, every morning when I'm at the church and I'm praying, I see a glance of that trailer sitting. And so I've been praying waiting, but also feeling a little bit of angst until the other day. There was a a video clip placed on Facebook that was uh, from a Sister Kaufman. Brother and Sister Kaufman, they attend the congregation in Puyallup. Sister Kaufman, if I have the story right, she lost her hearing when she was eight years old. And so she has been very engaged and involved in, well, ASL, American Sign Language, and what you may refer to as deaf ministry. She's actually traveled around the uh, country at invitation to uh, interpret, or I don't know what's the term, uh, at some conferences. Well, the other day she announced she has surpassed 1 million followers on her page, Learn ASL with Debbie. And so I felt direction, uh, this all coming together, that what we do uh, is going to be out in public. I have a place, and we will, we will coordinate other things in the way of ministry along with Learn ASL with Debbie. Now, that may sound maybe foreign, or odd to your ears, no, we're not going to go out and plan a church service. We're going to go into a park setting and we're going to teach ASL, but we're going to do it with gospel music and there are other things coordinated with that. But here's my whole point. You can't take direction until you have direction. And it seems to be a pattern of the Lord to let us wait on him. And when we're waiting as a group, there are times when it's easy, if you're even a part of the group, to become frustrated with the waiting process. And that frustration puts pressure on others who are also waiting. But we begin to question our waiting sometimes. I'm just... This is the reality. But the word of God says, they that wait upon the Lord 
And you can finish that scripture, can't you? And so it's not just a cute phrase. It is a, uh, it is a, a, an imperative and an important concept in the kingdom of God of not stepping before him, not stepping behind him, but truly waiting on him to step with him. Amen. You don't want to get ahead of the light. and You don't want to get behind the light. You want to stay in the light. Amen. Okay. Genesis chapter 18. At verse 11. Now Abraham and Sarah were old and well stricken in age. And it ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of women. Therefore, Sarah laughed within herself, saying, After I am waxed old, shall I have pleasure? My Lord being old also, lowercase l-o-r-d, meaning her husband, him being old also, and the Lord capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. The Lord said unto Abraham, Wherefore did Sarah laugh, saying, Shall I of surety bear a child, which am old? So the Lord had told her, came and said to them, Your wife Sarah is going to bear a child. They questioned that. They laughed at that. They couldn't believe that because understanding the natural processes of humanity, they said, nah, that's impossible. Now, that's the pattern of humanity. We look at things, we see things, and we hear things, and we cast our own judgment on things whether they should be possible or nah, that's impossible. Okay. Verse 14. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Now that is a cute phrase. That is a cute statement. That's a statement that you may say and hear in, in encouraging others. Oh, is there anything too hard for the Lord? But when it comes down to the reality of believing, when we have direction to pray or we have need or of necessity to pray and believe, we have to Stand firmly on the word of the Lord. There is nothing too hard for the Lord. Of course, this is the question. Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the time appointed, I will return unto thee according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. Book of Mark. Mark chapter 5. 
at verse 1, they came over unto the other side of the sea into the country of the Gadarenes. And when he was come up out of the ship, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit who had his dwelling among the tombs and no man could bind him, no, not with chains. Because that he had been often bound with fetters and chains and the chains had been plucked asunder by him, the fetters broken in pieces, neither could any man tame him. Do you, do you get a visual? Do you get a picture? I know we have probably never seen anything to this extreme, but I'm pretty sure, especially in the days that we are living, you have seen. You have seen men, maybe not with chains and fetters on them, but terribly bound by unclean or with unclean spirits, and them, as far as you could tell, being completely out of their mind. Anybody? And when you saw them, you probably entertained some thoughts, or you simply heard voices, statements, either from your mind or come to your mind about what you were seeing. We have thoughts. We have ideas. And there are also many voices in the world that would like to always attempt to affect our idea, affect our thought when presented with a situation that seems Absolutely impossible. Impossible. Too hard. After all, there's chemical abuse that destroys the body. It destroys the brain. And even if an individual has a lot of influence operating in their life, obviously spiritually... Coupling that with the idea that the years of chemical abuse, drugs, alcohol, many things today, fentanyl, we look and see that their minds are blown. I think this is probably an, an, accurate, or an accurate picture of this man of the Gadarenes. Yes, he was under spiritual influence. Yes, this, this had gone on a long time. He had made his home living among the tombs. And apparently, for whatever reasons, he must have ran wild. He must have seemed crazy. And he must have appeared to be a threat. Because other men tried to bind him with chains and fetters. I'm not sure what a fetter is. But we get the idea. And the whether it was natural strength or supernatural strength or adrenaline, I don't know if he was a superman, a superhero, doubtfully. But those chains were broke. Now that seems impossible. 
fetters broke off. What verse are we at? Anybody know? Thanks. Verse 5. And always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying and cutting himself with stones. When he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and worshipped him. He cried with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of the Most High God? I adjure thee by God that thou torment me not. Wow, who's, I wonder who's doing the crying out here. I don't know how that man in his humanity could have any understanding of who it was that had come up out of the boat. But the indwelling spirits that recognize spirit, the spirit world immediately recognized the authority of Jesus and said, have you come to torment me? And so I have to suppose that it was probably the voice of a spirit or the words of a spirit using the man as a mouthpiece. Verse 8, For he said unto him, Come out of the man, thou unclean spirit. And he asked him, What is thy name? And he answered, saying, My name is Legion, for we are many. He besought him much that he would not send them away out of the country. Now there was nigh unto the mountains a great herd of swine feeding, and all the devils besought him, saying, Send us into the swine that we may enter into them. And forthwith Jesus gave them leave, and the unclean spirits went out and entered into the swine, and the herd ran violently down a steep place into the sea. There was about 2,000, and they were choked in the sea. They that fed the swine fled and told it in the city and in the country. They went out to see what it was that was done. They came to Jesus and see him with, see him that was possessed with the devil and had the legion. Sitting. Clothed in his right mind. And now they were afraid. <laughs> now, they know what they had witnessed and observed through the years. They, what they saw sitting there, that was impossible. Right? Now, I read this portion of Scripture. I'm not going to read the rest of it. He's driving down the street, and as I glanced, something caught my attention off to the side. 
There was a man, I, I've seen this similar setting many times, many, many times. But because of the heat, he was, you know, mostly unclothed. And I, I caught this all in a glimpse. He, he had a bunch of things and he was leaning up against a pole like a telephone pole. And he was crying out things into the sky. Maybe he saw something and he was, thought he was speaking to something. I don't know. But he was doing this. And uh, the building was there, and so he passed out of my sight. And because I have been of the mind of praying for people, you know, I can remember at times conversing with Brother Lewis, and he would, he would refer to people as souls. And I would think, well, that's kind of impersonal. That's a person. That's a people. That's a man. That's a woman. And his reference to me would be for souls. What I didn't realize at the time was, is I hadn't matured enough to see what he saw. The souls of men. But today, I see souls. And so no matter the depiction or what I saw uh, in that the personage of that human being, that man, the condition that he was in and the, and the crying out. And obviously, in my perception, he was out of his mind. But because I have been in, of the mind to pray for people, people that I don't know, uh, I kind of just cast out a prayer. And as soon as I did in praying for that man, a voice spoke to me and said, it's too late, beyond reach. Have you heard that voice? Your own experience tells you. You've worked with enough people like that. You know you're wasting your time. Heard that voice? I am of the mind that our faith and our prayer cannot be founded on our experiences, our own personal understandings, the things even that we perceive, but we have to stand on the word of God. I have to know from the word of God, there is nothing too hard for the Lord. There is no person beyond reproach, beyond healing, Beyond resurrecting, because Jesus, when he sent him out, he said, heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out devils. There's nobody. He's a soul. He's a soul. In the eyes of God, you know, we're all given a set of genetics. And our makeup, our being, our, what we have become as a specimen of humanity, for the most part, comes from genetics passed down from parents and grandparents and the like. And we have something to do with some of it, but for the most part, 
the cells in our body, they react the same as our parent cells in their body reacted to things. Foods. But in the, at the end of the day, God sees, he sees my soul. I'm driving down the road. I, I have faith and I'm praying and he sees my soul. But he looks and he sees that the soul of that man standing there appearing to be out of his mind. No different than he sees my soul. Now, I'm of the redeemed. I'm blood-bought. I'm spirit-filled. Yes. But I have an eternal soul as that man and many more. They have an eternal soul. I have felt challenged lately in what I'm believing for. It seems like I've been assaulted by many voices. Maybe it's the same voice. I don't know. Just saying many things about everything I'm praying about, everything I'm believing for. And he's just trying to get me to question. I want to read to you one conversation here, and then I'm going to turn this back to Elder Hart. Genesis chapter 3 at verse 1. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. Now, that voice, that, that accuser of the brethren, that doubt caster, constantly twisting and changing just a little bit to get you to doubt that what he said was true and what he said he would do, he will do. Is there anything too hard for the Lord? That was the Lord's words. Capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. Is there anything too hard for me? And then he repeated to Sarah, to Abraham, I'm going to do in about a year's time or the nine months what I said I was going to do. And Sarah is going to have a child. And that which seemed impossible not only became possible, but prevailed and became an example. The Bible says these things are writ are, are happened for examples, for examples. And they were written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. That was for our day. That when we would read of the things that he says happened, we could take hope. We could stand in faith and not waver. With all the wisdom of humanity in the world, which tries to tell us and the doctors 
Ah, that ain't possible. Beyond repair, beyond hope. Don't waste your time with that one. Move on to somebody else. Somebody that's got it, you know, got things together. Do you realize how many people in the world that that would discount? And today, because of some changes in our world, now we're seeing them and we're seeing them everywhere. There's a, there's a road that I drive down in Tacoma. It's on the way between the church and the house. And I drive down that road purposely because I want to see it. I want to see them. I want to look at them. I want to be fully aware of them. I don't want to get on the highway and drive around them. I want, to, I want sensitivity. I want to be aware. You know, years ago, my wife and I used to go to the Calvary Rescue Mission on Monday nights. We did it for a lot of years. We had two little girls at the time. I don't think Tara was born, but we would take them to the mission with us. And yeah, it was a rough crowd. And, you know, you never knew what was going to happen. And there were some things that happened, but we would set them up behind my wife on the piano. We did not want to hide this segment of society and the world from their eyes. We wanted them to be aware. I know, I know that there are times when our faith becomes assaulted. And the same communicator with Eve in twisting the words of God. You know, the, let, me, let me just say this. The teaching, uh, I think it was last week from Brother Ethan, he was talking about Adam and Eve, and I thought that was a tremendous uh, uh, correlation and parallel that he brought out that, you know, even though she was tempted, it, it appeared as though she must have spent some time looking at that tree, looking at the fruit. And the temptation maybe went from the voice of the enemy or the, the voice of the serpent to her own self-inflicted temptation because she continued to look. Amen. Your faith is powerful. Your praying is powerful and impacting upon this world. Amen. Amen, Elder. Use something just a little different before we finish today. I'm going to put some of you on the spot right where you are. I'm not going to make you come up front but I'm going to ask you to participate if you would. You don't have to. I'm not going to take notes or memorize some of you. I don't even know. I don't know the answer to what I'm going to ask. I mean, um, if you were, past tense, okay, past tense, if you were, Ever. Past tense means not anymore. 
If you were a drug addict, would you stand? Is anything too hard for God? You're an alcoholic before, would you stand? Okay, why don't you sit back down? You ever thought you were losing your mind and you were out of your mind, but you know now I'm not anymore. Would you stand? Be seated. You ever spent a night or more on the street because you didn't have a place to call home? Would you stand? You see it. Jeremiah 32 and 17. The word of the Lord asks the question, but the word of the Lord also answers the question. Ah, Lord God, I behold, you have made the heaven and the earth by your great power and your stretched out arm. And there is nothing too hard for you. Notice Jeremiah's declaration. By your great power, it would have been one thing if he would have just stopped there, but he didn't. And your stretched out arm. Why does that matter? Because the stretched out arm is the power of God being extended to the powerless. The stretched out arm is the love of God in action saying, it's too hard for you, but it's not too hard for me. And therefore, if you'll let me, I will. Now, Bishop shared about the voice he heard casting doubt on his prayer regarding the man he prayed for, saying it's too late. You understand that was the voice of the adversary trying to get him to doubt the effectiveness of praying to the living God. And we combat the voice of the adversary with the word of God. Because the adversary is a liar. He is the father of it. When he speaketh, he speaketh a lie. The Bible declares this to us, so we know this to be true. And so when we hear a voice or we have a thought that is contrary to faith, then we must recognize, hold on a minute. That's not of God. 
and I can eat, I, I make a choice. I will either continue to entertain that voice and that thought and that idea, or I will declare the word of God. This is why Paul said to think on certain things. I can think on the thoughts that the adversary plants. And, you know, if you think on a lie long enough, you'll start believing it. You can have faith, but you can also think long enough on the thought of the adversary that you rob yourself of faith. And so we must learn to declare the word of God. There are, I'm not going to take time, I'm finishing now. There are many of you in this room, no surprise, we've prayed together about situations or circumstances in your life. Some things, some of you in this room, there's been things I've prayed about with you for years and years and years before we saw the change that we believed God for. Didn't mean God wasn't working along the journey. But there were, just be real with you, there were days I'd go to my place of prayer, wherever that was, and I'd lay on my face and say, God, I don't know what else to do. I know your word is true, but this is driving me crazy. Am I supposed to take brother so-and-so by the nap of the neck and shake him around? Am I supposed to, well, of course not. I know that's not the case. <laughs> yeah. So what would I do when I would continue to pray with you? I'd go back to the word. Lord, your word says. Your word says. I realize nothing's changing as far as my natural eye can see yet. Yet. But my faith is not in what I see. My faith is in what I know of your word. And your word is true. Of this, I am absolutely certain. I may not be certain of many things, but this I know. The word of God is true without fail. And I stand on the unfailing, unchanging word of God. Would you stand with me this morning? If you have an impossible need, I'm asking you to come and stand this morning. In your mind, you're like, unless God does something, this is impossible. I'm asking you to come. The Spirit of the Lord is here to do a work.